intro and last week we looked about hope, that resident aliens have hope, right? That you have hope today and you have hope for the future, we have a future hope. And uh, we are people of hope. And so in difficult days, when things don't seem to be going the way we think they should be going in our society, in our world, in our country, we are people of hope. We also talked in the introduction that resident aliens are only walking through, they're passing through this world. This world is not my home. I know where my home is. And my citizenship is not here, but it is in heaven. And so we joked a little bit last week about dual citizenship, right? Pastor Mike and I have dual citizenship. Today, we're looking at this reality of resident aliens. Do you know who you are? And in, in those verses, if you have your Bibles and want to open up to that, there's a lot, lot there. And even Pastor Mike this week in selecting the worship, if you know the songs that we sang today, all kind of fit in with the message that Peter is saying here in this second chapter of his first epistle, and, and, and in particular those verses 1 to 10. And uh, I have a story. This is one of Max Lucado's uh, stories. He's got some great stories in his book, and people have said this is some, some people have said this is their favorite story. Checking the parakeet. He'd never seen it coming. One second he was peacefully perched in his cage, the next he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. See, what had happened was his owner decided to clean the bottom of Chippy's cage with her vacuum cleaner, and she removed the nozzle. It was all working out quite well until the phone rang, and she turned to answer the phone and looked away, and Chippy, right into the vacuum cleaner. And so she, in a panic, dropped the phone and dropped the vacuum cleaner and went to open it up and open the bag. So now you know how old that vacuum cleaner is. Opened the bag, and there was Chippy. Chippy was still alive, but stunned. <laughs> Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, oh, she knew what she would do. She grabbed him quickly and ran to the bathroom and put him under the tap and washed all the dirt off him. And she realized that Chippy was there again, soaked and shivering, even more stunned than before. And she said, I know what I'll do. <laughs> I'll reach for the blow dryer. <laughs> and then she blow dried Chippy. <clears throat> so the reporter who had heard about the trauma and reported on the story phoned back Chippy's owner and said, well, I thought I'd just call to see how the bird is recovering. Well, she's replied. Chippy doesn't sing anymore. <laughs> he, just, he just sits there and stares. <laughs> it's hard not to see why. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. <laughs> Did you ever feel like that? Have you ever felt like Chippy? Some of us look like Chippy. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. And so as resident aliens in difficult, dark days, and, and I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to be a pessimist. I just want us to be realists. And I think that's why when the scripture says, the truth shall set you free. We need to be realists, Right? Optimists, you know, that's great. I believe, I have faith, I believe in God. But there are some of those people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Now that's a 
hard statement. Pastor Sheila's laughing. But you know, like your whole life is falling apart and you share and they look at you and say, oh, trust me, God, it's all going to work out. And, and we don't want to be pessimists to say, oh, look, we're all, it's all going down too. <laughs> you know? But we do need to be realists. And that's what First Peter is about. Remember we said that. He's talking to Christians who are facing the threat of persecution. It's real. It happened. <laughs> it's in history that Nero persecuted the Christians, that they died for their faith. And, and you know, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the persecuted church and praying for the church. There are more Christians dying today for the faith than ever in all of church history. Well, we sit here in our comfortable pew. And so we need to be realistic in these days. Maybe the days are dark. Maybe they're going to get darker. But we need to be uh, uh, realistic on what God would have for us as the church of Jesus Christ as resident aliens. He, he said here in this passage of scripture, he's trying to tell us some things that are very, very important. He says they are, uh, resident aliens are children who need to grow in those first three verses. And then he says they are living stones being built up into a spiritual house in verses four to eight. And then at the end, he says, you realize that you are the special chosen people of God in those closing verses. And so we are called to be like children who need to grow, verses one to three. Do you realize today there's an expression out there, you are what you eat? Right? Anyone that knows we should be eating healthy. Why? Because you are what you eat. You, you are, you become that which you consume. That which fills you, forms you. And this is also true in the spiritual realm. Your family fills you. Your friends fill you. Your job fills you. Your shows that you watch fill you. Your books that you read fill you. The time you spend on social media, that all fills you. And what you are filling yourself with, that's what you become. And so our passage today in verses 1 to 10 is really, some have said, is about tasting. Saying about, you know, in hard times, difficult times, how important it is to taste. Now, I don't know if some of you have watched those TV cooking shows and, and, and will look at it, and then they sit there and eat it in front of you. That, to me, has got to be the worst, watching a cooking show. And they, uh, you know, they, they just talk about how wonderful it is. And we can't taste it. We have no idea what it tastes like. Because you, all you can do with taste is what? Try to encourage somebody, try to explain it. But what do people need to do? They need to eat it and taste it for themselves, right? You need to taste it for yourself. And we need to taste that the Lord is good, Amen. that God is good. When I get busy, I forget to eat until my stomach begins to growl. Now, you might find that hard to believe, but it is true. And then the hunger pains come, right? The hunger pains begin to growl. And you begin to realize, oh my goodness, it's been a while. Quite a while since I've eaten. And how important it is to eat. But I want to tell you the other side, and some of you will say, mm hmm, when you know when I say this part. When I'm bored, when I'm blue, when I'm depressed, what do I do? Eat junk. Eat junk. The worst of the worst, right? I'm the only one in the church that does that, right? And I nibble, and I snack, and I snack, and I nibble, and I think we have this belief 
that if we, and I've seen it in our seniors group whenever we have food and that, we all gather in the kitchen and we stand there, you know, because the plates are there, we're supposed to sit down with the plates, but somehow we have this belief that if I stand and nibble on it, there's no calories in it. Right? And so there's this idea that, that, that when I am struggling in different things and, and depressed or whatever, I can just keep filling myself with those wrong things. Now, all of this is being said for this reason. I think one of our problems in the church in North America, in the Western world, we need to face is that we live in a culture that makes it very easy for us as, as Christians to get distracted from our spiritual hunger. Whenever someone or something nibbles or gnaws inside, anxiety, loneliness, depression, lust, greed, jealousy, anger, we can feed ourselves with something else than God and the things of God. Social media, show, music, books, food, shopping, hobbies, good workout, a pill, even friends and family. But we can fill ourselves in that hunger with things that aren't God. It's not that we aren't hungry. The problem is, what are we feeding ourselves with? We have deep appetites. God has made us to have appetites. And there are all kinds of appetites. And we're, and we're going around and we're looking for meaning and purpose and identity and love and intimacy and connection and pleasure and power and fame and money and things. And oh, how we hunger and how we fill it with the wrong things. And so Peter knows that. Things haven't changed. Peter knows that. And so he challenges them that they are to what? He says there, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. <clears throat> and so we see in this, these verses that Peter is saying that as resident aliens you have to take off and you have to hunger and yearn and you have to grow. This is what he's saying in these first a few verses here. You know, many years ago, Pastor Mike, working heavy equipment, it was kind of a funny thing that would happen when he came in the door. Thankfully, nobody could see the front of our house once you came in the door. But him working heavy construction and in potash, which is black soot, all day long. Pastor Mike would come home and he would take his glasses off and all you would see was like the opposite of a raccoon. Two white eyes. Everything else black. And I remember washing his overalls and clothes and washing it three times and it still wasn't clean. The water was black. I just gave up and then I just started washing it once and he wore it the way it was. Because tomorrow it would come back that way. But what he would do so it wouldn't go through the whole of the house is when he got in through the front door he would literally strip this filthy, dirty work clothes off and go down to the laundry room and bring it there and put it right in the washing machine so it wasn't all over the house. And there was a sense of taking off and stripping off that which was filthy and dirty. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul uses this terminology as well. And Peter is using it here. He says, as resident aliens, you need to strip off those things, that malice and deceit, that hypocrisy which is playing and acting, 
It's being pretending to be something you're not. You need to strip off envy. Somebody said that envy is the last sin to go. And, and you know, you look at even the disciples on the night that our Lord was betrayed, and they're going in to have this Passover meal together, and they're arguing about who should have the places of honor. He's going to be crucified, and his disciples he has spent three years with are, are, are in envy, arguing about who should have the places of honor. And we're to strip off gossip and slander. I cannot say it enough to the church. If there's anything in this day that will destroy the church, it is gossip and slander. And Peter makes it clear, for resident aliens, if you're going to continue to walk in this world, slander and gossip is got to go. You know that spicy little nippet there to chew upon. He says, no, no, no. And he says, instead, once you strip those things off, you are to crave the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. See, that would imply to me that Christians don't stay where they are. That also would imply to me that God has given us a hunger, a craving. It's God-given. And God wants you to use that hunger and craving to feed upon Him and the things of God. Not filling it with all kinds of other things. Not saying those other things are bad. But when you're trying to fill the hunger for God with those things, then it becomes wrong. And so He is saying how important it is for us to hunger for those right things. Remember, Jesus said it this way, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? And the Beatitudes. So take that hunger, he says, and desire the pure milk of God's word. Now we need to understand something. We, we look at it today and we read that and interpret it. That's God's word. But you need to remember when Peter was writing this, this was not yet compiled. And so what they had when it came to God's word is they went to the Old Testament, the scriptures that they were raised on all their life. But also, the word that they were talking about, Logos, the living word, is Jesus Christ himself. And so if you notice what they preached, what the early church talked about was Jesus. And they talked about his life, and they talked about his death, and they talked about his resurrection, and they talked about his ascension, and they talked about his return. And so they were doing, this was the Logos, this was the word. And so what Peter is saying here, and praise God today, we've got this, and this is where we need to be as well. But in that day, they didn't have this. So what were they talking about? They were talking about Jesus. Let's just talk about Jesus. And so he is saying that, that they were feeding. They needed like, like a newborn babe. Oh, man, we've been around newborn babies and how they crave their mother's milk. And they get angry and they'll, <laughs> you got to feed them their mother's milk. There is that, that, that aspect of them that they're just desiring that which is what? That mother's milk is going to nourish them, and that mother's milk is going to help them to grow. And this is why they're craving this milk. One of the struggles we see is, is that we are called to grow. Growth is a normal part of discipleship and being a follower of Jesus. I should be further along in my journey this week than I was last week. And ultimately, what Peter is saying here, you can't make any excuses because you're responsible for your own spiritual growth. Because you're supposed to be craving 
that milk like a baby craves its mother's milk. That's how you're supposed to approach the things of God. Craving it, desiring it. And you are the one who's responsible for your growth. I was thinking about the times when that theory of empty, empty calories, right? And, and, and how we eat things just to eat them, but they don't do anything good for us. They don't cause us to be healthy. They don't cause us to grow. And how important it is to have that proper nourishment. Someday I'd like to do a series just on grow up. My mother had a statement, suck it up, buttercup. Sometimes you feel as a pastor you need to say that to the church. Suck it up, buttercup. Grow up. You know, if, if we would allow ourselves to grow up and mature in all the things that God has for us, churches would not have half the problems that they have. And COVID has brought out the worst. You know, often we've seen that self-centeredness and selfishness and we've been through a lot in, in two and a half years. And praise God our church has weathered the storm quite well, but there are a lot of churches that haven't. And, and it's important for us to realize that we are responsible for our own spiritual journey and where we are in our nourishment with the things of God. And we are admonished to grow up, to be all that God has called us to be. Because there's no such thing as being stagnant and staying behind with what God has for us. And so we, the problem is we live in a society and a world where I can constantly snap on anything I want. It's at my fingertips. And the problem is we're snapping on the wrong things. And some of us are like malnourished children who become listless and helpless, much like Chippy. Oh, we're alive, but we don't sing anymore. We can become grazers of all kinds of things, never feeling too hungry for the things of God because we've been stuffing and shoving so many things into our minds and hearts that distract us and temporarily satisfy. And what about this? You know, the danger of, and I've seen it in Ontario, a big thing, that we're eating on the run. Oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I need to eat on the run. And you watch people, and I remember looking at the 401, a woman trying to drive her car with her knees as she ate a bowl of cereal going to work in the morning. That's a scary thought. And so if we're not careful as believers in Christ, we're like we're running around eating on the run. You know, like I've got to grab something quick. I gotta, but it's not what's really good for us. And what about drive-through Christianity? Get it over quick, Pastor. I'm driving in and I'm driving out and we just need to get what we need to get today and I'm gone for another week. That's not the church, my friends. That is not what we're called to by what Peter is saying. You know, I love the Italian culture. I love the... Now, some of you probably have it on Sunday for lunch, the Sunday family meal. But Italian culture, you sit at the table, and you're there for hours. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and multiple courses, and even once you finish that, the snacks and the nuts and the fruit and the sweets and the coffee and espresso comes out. Because you sit and you enjoy the table and you enjoy the food and you enjoy each other's company. And when you finally pull away from the table, you are fully satisfied. You know, I believe that's what God has for us. I believe that's what God wants for us spiritually. 
I think of my old Aunt Rose that would sing that chorus was her testimony, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord, come and fill this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, come and feed me till I want no more. Fill me up, Lord. Come and me whole. We have a banquet before us, my friends. God has placed a banquet. North American Christians have a banquet. We have a smorgasbord. We have everything we could ever want or need. The difference and the key is here. You have a hunger. What are you feeding that hunger with? Is it the things of God? Or are you snacking on the things of this world? John Piper said this statement, and it is so good. And I'm spending a lot of time on this part of the message, and the other parts will be very short. But this is, I felt, was something that is so true. He says, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. I don't know if that challenged you this, this week, but it sure challenges me. And we fill our lives with so many things, and all along, if you scratch and peel back the layers, we realize there's a deep, deep hunger that's not being satisfied. And we are spiritually malnourished, and we don't sing anymore, and we just sit and stare. But the truth of it is today that in each one of us, there is a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. Amen. And he's made us for himself. And nothing else will ever satisfy. He goes on to say that, we spent a lot of time on this before when we did the series on stones, that Jesus Christ is the chief and cornerstone of our faith. This is the contractor. This is the builder who goes out and he's laying a foundation and he has to find that precious cornerstone that everything else that he builds will be centered around. And he said, this is Christ. Christ is our chief and cornerstone. But he said, you have a role to play in this. You are living stones. Christ is the chief and cornerstone, but you are like stones who are being built up into a spiritual house. And so we have a role to play in the church of Jesus Christ. There is no such thing as long rangers in the Christian faith. That is the terrible lie of the enemy. I can love Jesus and have nothing to do with the church. I speak to people all the time. They have swallowed one of the greatest lies. I say it on Saturday nights in our prayer time. Christ is coming back for his bride. The church. We individualize it. Oh, Jesus is coming back for me. Scripture says he's coming back for his bride. The church. And she's making herself ready. And so you have a place in the body of Christ. You have a place in the church of Jesus Christ. And Peter puts it this way. You are a living stone that's being built up into the spiritual house here at the corner of Elmsdale. And so the decisions you make are important. The decisions that you say, I'm going to participate, I'm going to be a part of this, or you decide not to, makes a difference for eternity and makes a difference for this church. Because there can be gapping holes. 
in the body of Christ, if we have not understood our important position that Peter is saying, you are living stones being built up into the spiritual house. Now, if I went to a brickyard, and by the way, Pastor Mike worked there too in the brickyard making bricks. <clears throat> but if I went to a brickyard and I see a pile of bricks, they are totally useless. Until when? I put them together to build a house or a building. That's exactly what Peter is saying here. We don't need a pile of bricks all over West Prince. They're just sitting by themselves. <laughs> we need to be like living stones, willing to be built up into what God is doing here. And I praise God for the stones that have gone ahead of us. That what we're building today is being built upon them and their faithfulness to this church. Then I had to ask myself that question, what will be built upon me, my life? My example, what will be built up in generations to come, because I, what I'm doing in this row of bricks, in this row of stones, living stones, until the Lord tarries. And so we have a role to play. And then he says, you are chosen. I mean, if, I, I, if you could wrap your mind around this, what he's saying to these believers here, going through difficulty. He, he's saying, you're the chosen people of God. You're, you belong to him. And, and, and so, yes, it's not easy days. Yes, there's difficulty. But he says, you've been given a purpose. You've been given a destiny to fulfill. And, and God is saying to you in those last two verses, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What a privilege it is for us to be called God's people. To go around and say, there goes one of God's people. <laughs> see, in this hostile world that we live in, Peter gives four titles. He says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. But if you jump down to verse 10, he's trying to make this point here. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Those terms are Old Testament terms. Those terms were given for the Jewish people who were Israel, who became a nation, and they were God's special possession. You can read it all throughout the Old Testament. And here he's saying to these now believers who are going through difficulty, that you are now grafted into the vine, and you have become God's chosen people through Christ Jesus. And so now you are the ones who are the recipients of all the promises you read in here in the Old Testament that was for Israel are now yours. And did you deserve it? <laughs> no. Did you make it happen? No. It's all because of God's mercy. You've been grafted into the family of God. You've been grafted into be. God's chosen people. You were once an outsider, but now you're an insider. And as an insider, you're a chosen generation. God has brought us together. It's because of him that we are God's people. And Jesus Christ is our high priest now. We don't go through the old system and have to have a, a, a priest and, and have them do things for us. Now Jesus is the high royal priest. And now as believers, we are all priests. We are all royal priests. What does a priest do? A priest stands in the gap before other people 
They represent people to God, and they represent God to people. And he says, that's your role now as a believer. That intercession and praying and helping people define God. And priests also bring what? Sacrifices. In the Old Testament, it was animal sacrifices. Now, as the royal priesthood of God, we are called to bring spiritual sacrifices before God. And we've talked about the fact that the church now is this holy nation. Our citizenship is in heaven. We know where we're traveling to. We don't belong. This world is not our home. But we belong to God's nation, a holy nation. And we need to live our lives in such a way that those out around will see and know that he is God. Last week we talked about the God that is keeping, keeping my eternal Reward and he's keeping me for it. And this says in another way, you're God's possession. You're in the hands of God. No matter what's going on in life, <clears throat> the church is in God's hands. We used to sing that and teach it to children. Do we still believe it? He's got the whole world in his hands. And you do all of this to be his witness going to ask the worship team to come as I close with this story. So resident aliens are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. There was this group of men that liked to get together to do a Civil War reenactment where the South lost to the North. The men taking part were dressed in the traditional Civil War guard, problem was they were real wool uniforms. And it was a hot, miserable day as they're reenacting this civil war. And on top of that, nothing seemed to be going right. And many of them were getting frustrated. Finally, one miserable rebel said, he threw down his hat and walked away and he was grumbling and complaining and he walked off and he said, don't care anymore, I quit. We're not doing, we're not going to win anyway. He was defeated, he was finished. He had accepted the idea that his role involved suffering, and he didn't want any part of it. So he simply walked away and he lost sight of the joy he once known in playing his part in reenacting this historical event so other people could learn and know about what happened. And the person who shared this story said, this is what can happen to a lot of Christians. If all they see is the suffering, they have to endure. If they sense that all of life is just one long time of hardship and frustration, they too can often feel defeated, discouraged, and walk away. And many Christians have walked away. Sometimes they may continue to go to church but it's an empty exercise. They've lost all their joy. And they don't sing anymore. They just sit and stare. But oh, my friends, Peter is saying, there's another way. There's another way. Hungry resident aliens have found their satisfaction, no matter what's going on in God. And God, through Jesus Christ, continues to fill them. They're not afraid to hunger after the things of God. 
God is using it to draw them to himself. They crave that spiritual milk. They want to grow in their faith, no matter what age they are. They want to take their place in the body of Christ as a living stone for generations to come, that they can build upon them. They know they're God's chosen people. They're his royal priesthood. His holy nation. God's special possession. Father, we have a choice to make today. And the truth of it is, every day we have a choice. We have a choice to fill our lives with so many things that it pushes God out and we're wondering what's wrong with our lives. Or we can truly come to a place where we hunger for God and the things of God like a baby hungers for its mother's milk. God, we have grown. Many of us have come a long way, but it doesn't mean you're finished with us yet. There's still things to grow and learn, even in this season of our church and even in this season of our lives. And Lord, I thank you. A church that's over 100 years is here today because of living stones. We could name them if we wanted to, but we won't. And we're building today upon them. My biggest concern and question in these days is will there be living stones for generations to come to build upon or not? Will we do our part? God, remind these dear, wonderful people today that we love dearly, that they are God's special possession. They are His nation, His chosen people, a royal priesthood. You have a destiny and a purpose for them to fulfill. May we live up to that calling today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Let's sing this closing song. If you need to do business with God, we always say the altars are always open. But Pastor Mike always challenges us. It's about the response after the response. It's what we do out there when we leave church this morning. That's going to make the difference. And I pray with God's help. We will live up to our call.